Greetings in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This devotional is titled, Jesus on Divorce and Remarriage. Jesus equates sinful lusting with adultery in the heart in Matthew 5.28. That segues into the issue of divorce and remarriage in Matthew 5.31-32. Jesus says in Matthew 5.31, Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. It sounds strange to us, but in the Jewish system, in the Old Testament, it was the men who did the divorcing. And when they did so, they did it on the basis of Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, which gave the condition of, quote, some uncleanness, and, uh, end quote, some uncleanness. In the days of Christ, there were two schools of thought regarding grounds for divorce and remarriage based on Deuteronomy 24. The uncleanness, sometimes translated as something indecent, in view had to be something short of full-blown adultery because that required the death penalty as seen in Deuteronomy 22.22. Perhaps the husband accused her of being flirtatious or immodest or something like that which stopped short of actual adultery. It remains a mystery as to exactly what this was, as it is not specifically clarified. Interestingly, Jesus referred to this certificate of divorce in Matthew 19 and said Moses, because of the hardness of their hearts, permitted it. So clearly, what they demanded as grounds for divorce was not in keeping with God's intention. See Matthew 19, 7-9. And note that while looking with lust on a woman is equivalent of adultery in the heart, as seen in verse 28. Yet what Jesus addressed as grounds for divorce in verse 32 is the actual act of sexual immorality. Warren Wiersbe says, the desire and the deed are not identical, but spiritually speaking, they are equivalent. Uncleanness which comes short of actual adultery, is not grounds for divorce, as Jesus goes on to emphasize both here in verse 32 and also in chapter 19. The liberal school of thought, which was followed by Rabbi Hillel, held that a man could divorce his wife for almost any reason. For example, if she burned his toast, she was toast. Or if she was not as pretty as she used to be, she could be divorced. If the man wanted out of the marriage, all he had to do was write up a certificate of divorce for some level of indecency and move on. The other school of thought was more conservative, and it followed Rabbi Shammai, which said that the only grounds for divorce was actual adultery. Both schools of thought were based on their respective interpretations of Deuteronomy 24. But Jesus, in this case, agreed with the conservative school of thought. Matthew 5.32, Jesus says, But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Jesus taught that before God there are no grounds for divorce other than the grounds of sexual immorality. That's it. We know from 1 Corinthians 7, 10, and 11 that the Lord gave instruction regarding the marriage of two believers. The Lord in his teaching didn't address a mixed marriage in which one is a believer and one is an unbeliever, which Paul then went on to address. 
Jesus addresses the marriage of two believers and said there is no out. There is no biblical grounds for divorce for two believers other than immorality. Paul affirmed this in 1 Corinthians 7, 10, and 11, which reads, Now to the married I command, this is Paul writing now, Now to the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Paul here is reflecting the Lord's teaching. To the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. So he is rehearsing what Jesus taught concerning the marriage of two believers. God does not allow two believers to get divorced. And even if they do divorce, which is not God's ideal will, then they can either live single or be reconciled. Biblically, they have no other options. Before God, for two believers, marriage is till death do us part. Paul does go on in 1 Corinthians 7, 12-15 to address a mixed marriage of a believer and an unbeliever and says if the unbeliever leaves the marriage, then the believer is not under bondage. And I would agree with the view that says when the Bible allows for divorce, biblically, then it also allows for remarriage. One other thing, you can't change the past. When you get saved, you go from there. If anyone is in Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You go from where you are, as Paul indicates, in 1 Corinthians 7, 7 through 9. But again, Christ in the Gospels is addressing the marriage of two believers in the covenant community. He says divorce for any reason other than sexual immorality is not permitted. The Greek word translated as sexual immorality in Matthew 5.32 is the word pornea, from which we get our English word pornography. This is a broad word which can refer to any form of sexual immorality that is a violation of the marriage covenant. <clears throat> in the case of sexual immorality, divorce and remarriage is permitted, but not commanded. The best case scenario is that there would be repentance and forgiveness and that the marriage could be saved. But still, sexual immorality is grounds for divorce, as so stated by Christ. However, in the marriage of two believers, if a man divorces his wife without the grounds of sexual immorality, then he is accountable for causing her to commit adultery. Note that up to this point, she is not guilty of adultery. That only happens after she is forced out by the husband and becomes sexually involved with another man. The thought is that the woman is forced out. And remember, in this culture, she had little or no recourse. Even to survive, she would be pressured to find a man to take care of her, which would inevitably probably result in adultery. That seems to be the sense of what Jesus is saying. In this case, the man is liable for putting her into this position that results in her committing adultery. No, God still saw them as married in his eyes, and therefore this is called adultery. But because of the action of the man in divorcing his wife without biblical cause, he is shown to be the one essentially accountable. He forced the issue. He is the cause for her committing adultery. And in this case, Jesus says, whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Again, this is a situation where an unbiblical divorce took place. There was no biblical grounds. In God's eyes, they are still married, and to marry this woman is to commit adultery. Ed Glasscock says, quote, This points out that a certificate of divorce 
does not necessarily end the marriage, but improper sexual conduct does justify the dissolution of the union. End quote. Christ made it very strong for two believers. There is no way out of the marriage other than the grounds of immorality. Kingdom ethics sets a very high standard, and the marriage bond in God's eyes is unbreakable for two believers apart from sexual unfaithfulness. Some time ago, a Christian writer known for her number one New York Times bestsellers divorced, divorced her husband and announced that she was dating again. Only this time, it was a woman whom she proceeded to then marry. Quote, unquote, Mary. She is known as the ultimate confessional writer. They say she writes about the messiness of life and how people feel. Feel. She is thought to be real, raw, and authentic. Thus, her confessional style serves to normalize sin. That's her confessional style. Here is the pattern. Sexual sin is first minimized, then it is normalized, and finally it is quote-unquote Christianized. To go soft on immorality is to go down the path of apostasy. If we are truly Christ's disciples and kingdom citizens, the expectation is that we will maintain a high view, a biblical view of sexual purity and of covenant marriage as ordained by God. Hebrews 13.4, that's a New Testament verse. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Lord, we thank you for the uh, sanctity of marriage, holy matrimony. Uh, it is holy ground. And uh, Lord, uh, you do a, a miraculous thing in marriage as uh, you make the two one. God joins together. And so, Lord, uh, help us uh, as your people to uh, properly reverence what you have ordained, what you join together. This is not to be messed with. And, uh, Lord, we do see the one exception of immorality, but, uh, and that is so serious that it does give grounds for divorce and remarriage. But, Lord, help us to be faithful as, as your people, as believers, to the high standard of Scripture, to the high standard of holy matrimony, and to live accordingly. Oh, Lord, again, we thank you for your word, and may it guide our lives as we serve you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.